I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting for the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Scientists have taken the closest look yet at molecule-sized machinery called the human pre-initiation complex. It basically opens up DNA so that genes can be copied and turned into proteins. The science team formed from Northwestern University, Berkeley National Laboratory, Georgia State University, and UC Berkeley. They used a cutting-edge technique called cryo-electron microscopy and combined it with supercomputer analysis. They published their results May of 2016 in the journal Nature. Over 1.4 million freeze frames of the human pre-initiation complex, or PIC, were obtained with cryo-electron microscopy. They were initially processed using supercomputers at the National Energy Research Scientific Computing Center. This sifted out background noise and reconstructed three-dimensional density maps that showed details in the shape of the molecules that had never been seen before. Study scientists next built an accurate model that made physical sense of the density maps of PIC. For that, they used EXCEED, the Extreme Science and Engineering Discovery Environment, funded by the National Science Foundation. Through EXCEED, the Stampede supercomputer at the Texas Advanced Computing Center modeled the human pre-initiation complex for this study. Their computational work on molecular machines also includes EXCEED allocations on the Comet supercomputer at the San Diego Supercomputing Center. On the line to talk about the experimental side of the PIC study is Eva Nogales, a professor in the Department of Molecular and Cellular Biology at UC Berkeley and a senior faculty scientist and Howard Hughes medical investigator at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Dr. Nogales, thank you for speaking with us today. You're welcome. What are the main findings of the study you've done on groups of molecules that open up DNA to transcription? So this is a study that has been several years in the making where our intention was to be able to visualize the molecular details of a large protein complex referred to as a transcriptional pre-initiation complex that forms at the start site of every protein encoding gene in the human genome just previous to the firing of the polymerase which is the enzyme that will copy that gene, uh, that piece of DNA, into a messenger RNA that will ultimately be translated into protein. The complex has as a role to be able to identify both the beginning of the gene and to establish the opening of the otherwise very stable DNA duplex into a bubble that can now be accessed by the polymerase so that the active side of the polymerase the region in the polymerase that is able to add RNA nucleotides to form the messenger RNA can have access to the strand of the DNA that encodes for that gene. And just those two processes, defining the start of the gene and opening the duplex DNA, requires a large number of proteins to act together with the polymerase to form this pre-initiation complex. And how do they do it? What are the physical and chemical principles by which these proteins are able to recognize the right side in the DNA and then open it up and move the right strand into the polymerase? And this is the kind of molecular visualization that we've been able to do using a state-of-the-art cryo-electron microscopy, a methodology that is uniquely suited to deal with very, very challenging systems like the one uh, that I just described. Would you give us, say, uh, an analogy or a metaphor here of how this 
group of molecules, what it does is... You know, I can think, I, I just, I'm just making this up because you, asked, you didn't prepare me for this, but I can think of one example that actually will quite explain. So imagine that you have a cord that is made up of two strands that are curled around each other. And you want to open it up. You want to open those two strands. This is what you would do, I bet. You will hold it on one end very tightly. And you will grab on the other end and start twisting it in the opposite direction of the threading of the two strands. And when you do that, the two strands will open up. This is something that you can do at home if you want. Okay? Um, so this is exactly what the complex actually do. It's a perfect physical analogy that I should have thought about before. So just the DNA that is just before the transcription site, the site that really needs to be open and move into the polymerase active site to encode for the first RNA nucleotide. So before that, we have a set of proteins in this pre-initiation complex that is holding the DNA very tightly, the two strands very, very tightly together, so they cannot move and they cannot open. But just, been, you know, just after the side that needs to be open, there is a machine that uses energy like you would use by turning your fingers, acting on your fingers on those two strands and turning them twisting them around in exactly the opposite direction in which they are threaded. And when this happens, in between the two sides, the strands will open. Joining us on the line is Ivailo Ivanov, Associate Professor of Chemistry at Georgia State University. Dr. Ivanov led the computational modeling of the human pre-initiation complex. So basically the experiments uh, were done by our collaborators. So that's the group of Professor Nogales at Berkeley. They, essentially what they do is cryo-electron microscopy. The way this works is they use electron microscopy of cryogenically frozen samples, basically samples in vitreous ice. And they're trying to take images of the protein complex or protein DNA complex in various different orientations. So if you have very many images, like hundreds of thousands of images of the complex in various orientations, you can use the projections to do a three-dimensional reconstruction of the images. Basically, construct a three-dimensional density out of the two-dimensional projections. That technique has advanced greatly in the last few years. Basically, since 2012, they introduced new detection technology, a direct electron detector. And that has allowed, for the first time, for electron microscopy to compete with X-ray crystallography, right, in terms of resolution. So nowadays, it's possible to get three angstrom resolution structures of biological complexes that are really not amenable to crystallography, basically things that cannot be crystallized. So that has opened a lot of new opportunities in the field of cryo-electron microscopy. So this is an example of such a study where uh, the resolution of the complex has been pushed on average to 3.9 angstroms, but in certain regions, for instance in the core of RNA polymerase, 
the resolution is close to three angstroms, and all the details, uh, including sidechain positioning, are clearly visible in the density. So the, the maps produced by the method contain a lot of detail. So that, of course, is where we come in. We do the computational modeling in order to produce atomic models that fit the experimental densities. So basically what we do is we first create homology models of the different components of the assembly. Then we discretize the experimental electron density on a grid. And we can use a method called molecular dynamics flexible fitting, uh, which essentially you run a molecular dynamics simulation and you use the experimental density to bias the atoms in the molecular dynamics simulation to move into the denser regions of the EM map. So that's the process of flexible fitting into the EM map. So then after we complete the MDFF runs, we do a refinement with the Phoenix package, which is a crystallographic refinement package. And that is uh, sort of a complementary technique that allows us to sort of position side chains and improve the model so that we can capture all the details that is present in the, in the density map. So our role in the project has been the modeling part. Um, maybe you could speak more to why you needed to use the big computational resources from Exceed. Yeah, it's actually absolutely uh, necessary because when we include water and counter-ions in addition to the PIC complex in a molecular dynamics simulation box, we get a simulation system size of over a million atoms. So that one cannot run on a workstation or even cannot run on a modest cluster, right? So for that, we really need to, to go to maybe a thousand cores. So in this case, we went up to 2,048 cores. And for that, we needed access to Stampede. We use primarily the NAMD code that is developed at UIUC by the group of Professor Schulten. And NAMD is sort of specifically designed to take advantage of massively parallel machines like Stampede. So it performs and scales very well to thousands of cores, provided that the system size is large enough. And in our case, that is certainly true. I mean, our uh, simulation could easily scale to more than 2,000 cores. We certainly appreciate the availability of these resources. I mean, they were absolutely necessary to carry out the study. I have been using Exceed resources for more than 12 years now. Pretty much every year we submit a new proposal for Exceed, and that is what makes our work possible, right? My group does computational modeling, and without the availability of Exceed resources, all of our research would have been much more limited, right, in terms of the systems that we can address. So for us, Exceed has been absolutely essential. For the non-scientists out there who are listening, could you maybe tell us about how this research 
relates to non-scientists? Any study of a fundamental biological process for the life of the cell and the organism ultimately has health relevance because especially when it's such a critical and highly regulated process, which is the expression of your genes, many disease states come about because there are errors in how much a certain gene is being read and how much a certain protein with a certain activity in the cell is present. And those disease states could be due to excess production of, of the protein or conversely, not enough. And it is very, very important to understand, therefore, what is the molecular process that regulates this production so that we can understand the disease state. Uh, this is something that I heard in a conference and I really, it really stuck to me about why this kind of fundamental understanding is important. Imagine that your car is broken. Will you take it? to a garage where they don't know what an engine, a normal engine works. If they don't know how the normal engine works, it's impossible for them to look at one that is broken and then understand what has gone wrong. So this is very much the way I think about this complex that we, this protein assembly that we just described on DNA is a combination of molecular machines that come together, acting in synchrony with moving parts using energy of the source that cells utilize, in this case, the burning of a molecule that is called ATP, which is the equivalent of our fuel for our cars, to perform this very complicated task, which is first identify one position in a sea, very, very in an ocean, if you want, of genes, and pinpoint a location where the gene starts, and then open the DNA. So this is a machine that is very complicated with many parts, we need to see it. We need to see how it normally works. And we need to build in the complexity to a point that we can understand it physically and chemically so that then when we encounter a disease state, we can understand better what has gone wrong and we can now target it typically with a small molecule in the form of a drug, a pharmaceutical, that compensates for that defect. So this is what is relevant. I mean, there's very, very few more central tasks for the well-being of a cell and an organism that to be able to copy its DNA into messenger RNA for the production of proteins, which is the production of its own parts. What we produce is just kind of fundamental mechanistic understanding of a process that is essential for the healthy living of any of our cells. You've been listening to Eva Nogales of UC Berkeley and Ivailo Ivanov of Georgia State University. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar. <laughs>